Welcome to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Did you know that over 95% of all businesses fail within the first 10 years? By listening in to what Bob's guests have to say, plus direction from Bob Pritchard himself, it's our intention that you won't be among those statistics. Now, here's your host, Bob Pritchard. Hello, world. Welcome to the 431st edition of the Bob Pritchard Radio Show and Voice America Business Channel. We're broadcasting across the world in this, our 10th year. And we're broadcasting today from our temporary studio on Sydney Harbour in Sydney, Australia. Now, having been here now for a week, we're getting a first-hand look at the absolute devastation that the fires have caused. And uh, the freeways are littered with dead animals. I mean, the, the scale of these fires is unparalleled. And uh, we took think about the fires that were in California last summer, and uh, the, these fires are five times larger and uh, just horrific. Now think about this one. Have you heard about brain surgery that's carried out on conscious patients? Sounds really scary to me, but 25-year-old Gina Schward recently underwent brain surgery in Texas while fully awake and the procedure was live streamed on Facebook. Gives me the creeps just thinking about it. Now, Shaz was put under anesthesia so the doctors could cut a big hole in her skull and then once they reached her brain, she was woken up so she could speak and answer questions and that helped the doctors map her brain. Can you imagine sitting there with all that equipment and stuff around you with doctors fiddling inside your head with the top of your skull missing while you're awake? Now, during the surgery, she was shown an iPad, and if she was able to identify what was on the iPad, surgeons would know that what they were touching was okay. If she made a mistake... They knew that was a spot they had to avoid. Gee, sounds like touch and go to me. Basically, doctors have got a GPS tracking system for the brain, and they need to find out the places they need to avoid and which places are safe to go in everybody's skull. So any small movements, a millimetre to the left or a millimetre to the right, could affect her speech. So tens of thousands of people turned tuned into the live broadcast. So they broadcast it live on Facebook and tens of thousands of people tuned in. And within four days, the video had 93,000 views. Ugh. A few hours after the surgery was performed, the hospital said that she was doing well. Now, awake brain surgery has become a more commonplace procedure for doctors in recent years. A patient undergoing brain surgery at the University of Rochester played the saxophone while doctors performed on his brain. And live videos from the operating theatre are not unheard of either. A Texas woman had her breast cancer surgery live streamed on Facebook so she could raise awareness of the disease. A violinist in the Minnesota Orchestra, Roger Frisch, 
was diagnosed with a tremor, which caused him to lose control of muscle movements in his hand. And it's pretty hard to um, play the violin when you um, can't operate your hand. <laughs> it's very difficult. So he, he underwent deep brain surgery and a process involving the implantation of an electrode in the brain to normalise the signal signal that the brain sends to his movement centres. And during the procedure, he played the violin. After surgery, he um, made the news by returning to the stage and playing violin within three weeks of his skull being cut open. Gee. So the uh, advances in medicine are extraordinary and the improvements are occurring at an ever-increasing pace. Another question. Do you get my daily 30-second read business newsletter? You do? Good. You don't? Boo. We now have about 1.76 million daily subscribers. It takes just about a minute to read every day, and every day we tackle a different subject from um, advances in medicine to new apps to new technology to Hyperloop, autonomous cars, blockchain, artificial intelligence, um, cryptocurrencies, we cover the lot. Now, you should know about all this stuff, and the Bob Pritchard newsletter delivers the latest in business stories up to two months before the traditional news outlets report them. So the one information source that you can trust for the latest up-to-date business information is the Bob Pritchard Daily Newsletter. To receive it, simply go to my website, bobpritchard.com, and subscribe. It's that easy. Now, are you thinking about buying a new car? I want to give you 11 reasons why you should buy an electric car. Now, Deloitte estimates that the number of electric vehicles sold worldwide per year is going to increase more than tenfold in the next 10 years. In California, it seems like every third or fourth car is an electric car, and uh, electric car sales are going to increase tenfold. So what surprises many people is that electric vehicles actually surpass their internal combustion counterparts almost every time on a feature-by-feature basis. So let me give you 11 reasons why electric vehicles are superior. The first reason is there are very few moving parts. There's no spark plugs, transmission, pistons, or any of the other stuff that wears out and costs you a fortune. Electric vehicles have about 15 moving parts, against 250 moving parts for internal combustion vehicles. That means a lot less can go wrong and they require a lot less maintenance. Electric vehicles don't need oil changes and the batteries provide trouble-free service for over 100,000 miles. The second reason is that electric vehicles are more comfortable. Gone are the Gone's the rumble of the engine. Forget that. No more of those. No shaking and shimmering, vibrating parts. No. Just a perfectly coordinated electric engine to move the car forward. 
EVs provide a smooth vibration for emotion at any speed, doesn't matter how fast you go. And electric vehicles are also dead silent. The third reason to buy an electric vehicle is its rapid acceleration. You know, a Tesla can beat a jet off the mark and down down a runway. Tesla can outrun the acceleration of a jet plane. And because electric power requires no transmission, electrons give motors full power instantly. EVs can get faster accelerator off the line than muscle cars that are powered by gasoline. That also translates into more power for passing and other quick manoeuvres while you're racing along the freeway. The fourth reason for getting an electric car, electric vehicles are more like smartphones than internal combustion engine cars. They're like a smartphone. Today's EVs are electronic wonders, and they're running with a full suite of modern apps, including Google Google Play, Google Maps, Google Assistant. And as on a smartphone, the apps get updated regularly over an always-on internet connection. And not only that, every time there's a new app that um, could work in the car, it's automatically uploaded. And any servicing or any, any work you need done on the car is done um, just through connectivity. You don't have to take it to a garage or do any of that. Now, the fifth reason for buying an electric vehicle is it's more sustainable. The um, Some people think that electric vehicles that are charging on a fossil fuel-powered grid actually don't deliver an environmental gain. However, European Commission studies show that EVs with a clear environmental advantage. Whenever they're charged, even taking account emissions created during manufacture, they emit less carbon. The sixth reason to buy an electric vehicle, they're more efficient. They're much, much, much more efficient. Electricity is a more efficient means of producing forward momentum. Internal combustion engine vehicles lose lots of energy to friction. You know, 250 parts and hell of a lot of loss of energy with all the extra moving parts. It's regenerative Regenerative braking on an EV slows the car by turning the motors into generators that feed energy back into the battery, and this gives the car more range. It's so much more efficient. The seventh reason to buy an electric car, range. Electric vehicles carry more than enough energy to get drivers where they need to go. The average driver in the United States travels only 29 miles a day. At that rate, an EV with a range of 250 miles can easily get a commuter through a week without having to recharge. The eighth reason for buying an electric car, no more gasoline. You can charge your cars at home, at work, just put in the garage, plug it in, so you don't have to go to a filling station regularly because even an ordinary electric outlet can charge the car. And the fast charging stations can get a car from 10% charge to 90% charge in just 30 minutes. 
The ninth reason to buy an electric car, increased option choice. Electric vehicles keep adding features with regular software updates. Their greater efficiency and large battery packs can also deliver more features that don't require running an engine. Quick preheating via smartphone, air conditioning interiors for pets while you're parked, and even heated camping are all possible in electric vehicles, but not with regular ones. The tenth reason is you get more exciting choices. With all the advanced features of electric vehicles, car companies are inspired to innovate for the customer experience. Showrooms focus on the user experience rather than the efficiency of the cars and the hard sell by salespeople. Just just so many benefits. And the final reason for owning an electric vehicle is the total cost of ownership is lower. An extensive examination of ownership cost in Canada showed that electric vehicles are around 5% less expensive to buy and maintain than conventional vehicles. In the US, where gas is cheaper, but electricity is more expensive, the cars are pretty much the same cost to run. Now, my guest today after the break is a great friend of mine, Jim DeBetter, whose product development and sales experience has amassed millions of dollars within the retail selling world. This guy can sell anybody, any retailer, anything. So if you've got a product that uh, you want to get into the stores, Jim DeBetter is the guy to do it. He knows how to take new ideas from a sketch on a napkin to sitting on retailers' shelves. This is Bob Pritchard, and I'll be back with Jim in just a moment. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. Do you want your business to achieve results you never thought possible? Bob Pritchard is recognized as the business leader's advisor and has 30 years of experience as a straight-talking troubleshooter for Fortune 500 companies and SMEs across the world. Whether you need a checkup across all departments of your business or simply want to improve marketing, advertising, performance measurement, or some other area, Bob Pritchard will work his magic so you can blow away your competition. Bob Pritchard is also one of the most in-demand speakers in the world. Over 1,500 clients on five continents and countless standing ovations are a testament to how he changes the fortunes of business. Pick up Bob's new book, Kick-Ass Business and Marketing Secrets, at your nearest bookstore or visit Bob's website at www.bobpritchard.com. Remember, if you want to be successful, call Bob Pritchard now. Worldwide phone numbers and more information can be found at bobpritchard.com. Your leadership journey must be a continuous process of education and improvement. If you think you've learned all you need to know, think again. Find out the latest from contemporary authors on topics from character to values and everything in between. Discover insights into servant leader fundamentals along with your host, Tom Crea. Tune into Your Evolving Leadership Journey, Mondays at 9 a.m. Eastern Time and 6 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. 
Now you can take your favorite Voice America radio program with you anywhere. Sign up for our mobile app if you have an iPhone, Android, or Amazon Kindle. The Voice America interactive radio player powered by Aircast gives you the freedom to listen to any of our programs anywhere, live, and on demand. No registration is required. Listen to your favorite Voice America hosts and discover new ones. Download the Voice America mobile app for your iPhone, Android, or Amazon Kindle powered by Aircast. Visit the Apple App Store, Amazon, or Google Play. You are listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. To connect with Bob, please send an email to bob at bobpritchard.com. That's bob at bobpritchard.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the Bob Pritchard Straight Talking Radio Show. We're now for over five years. We've been giving you insights into the lives of some 300 of the world's most interesting business people, what they do, and we try to find out what it is that makes them tick, what makes them different. You know, 95% of all businesses fail today, so those that succeed, what do they do that we don't do? You know, it's extremely difficult to create a successful business. And we all need all the help we can get. And that's why it's so important to listen to these interviews and hear the obstacles that um, our guests face and how they overcame them. And why it's so important for everybody in business out there to have a mentor or a series of mentors. People that have been there, done that in various aspects of business that can give you help and advice when you need it. Now, a mentor is not your younger brother or somebody that you've grown up with that's probably going to say, wow, that's a wonderful idea. It's somebody who'll say, you know, you're just missing the mark. You need to do this. Have you, have you thought about that? You know, somebody who will really help you stay on track. Now, everybody in business faces the same challenges. It doesn't matter whether you're opening a dry cleaning store or whether you've developed a new app. You begin with a dream, you persevere, you commit yourself, and you overcome obstacles. And uh, the fact that so many businesses fail is testament to the fact that taking that great business idea or your new invention to the market is extremely difficult. It's one thing to invent a widget that's perfect. It's another thing to get any bastard to buy it. And uh, most entrepreneurs try to do most things on their own because they've got a lack of contacts, they've got a lack of funds, they don't have a big network, they've got a lack of resources. But research shows that most entrepreneurs who try that approach fail. And our guest today takes those budding entrepreneurs from idea to having a product in the market. Today's guest is Jim DeBetter whose product development and sales experience has amassed millions of dollars within the retail selling world. He can take an idea from a sketch on a napkin to creating the final product and then selling it to retailers worldwide. In fact, Jim and I are working on a project as we speak that hopefully we will be able to reveal to the world in a month or two. Jim's a founder and president of DeBetter Enterprises, which assists clients with product development. He negotiates licensing deals and he raises money for new companies. 
specializes in finding factories to produce product, creating, creating pricing strategies. Now, pricing strategies are really critically important. People, too many people say it cost me a dollar to make, so I'll sell it for a dollar twenty, and they think they're making a twenty percent margin. It don't work like that. Um, he does marketing and public relations, and sells products to major retailers such as Target, Walmart. Best Buy, Costco, Bed Bath & Beyond, and a whole truckload more. Jim's latest book, The Business of Inventing, is a bestseller in the invention industry and has helped thousands of budding inventors to understand the world of consumer products and how to bring them on the market. I'm glad I've got this guy on my side. This guy is good. Jim, welcome to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Well, that, that was quite the intro. Thanks, Bob. I appreciate it. It's a pleasure. I only work with the best, mate. So what's the biggest obstacle to aspiring business owners and entrepreneurs? When Let's assume they've already got a product. What's, what's the biggest challenge that they face at that point? You know, I, I, it's, it's, it's so hard to sometimes boil it down to one thing, but I do see a lot of commonalities and you know, with inventors who are in their own right entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. I think the biggest thing is managing expectations. I think that because inventing is such a personal uh, endeavor where you come up with an idea because it solves a problem for yourself or maybe you see an issue out there with something and you want to improve upon it or maybe you just have an idea for something that you think is exciting. What tends to happen is that inventors get very emotionally attached to what they're doing. Yep. And that's fine because you certainly want to have uh, some kind of a connection and certainly passion uh, to help you through uh, the early times when uh, money's not coming in and, and a lot of money's going out, of course. Yep. But what happens is that a lot of inventors tend to think that within a year or even within two years that their product's going to be on the market, they're going to be making millions, and then it's off to the races for them. But in reality, um, <laughs> understanding that it, it can take – many years, it could take five or 10 years, and it could be a huge struggle. Uh, and along the way, there are successes, but managing expectations um, is, is tremendous. And I, like you said, having a mentor or somebody that's outside of your very deep inner circle of, of family or even friends that are afraid to tell you no, uh, and who are trying to please you, um, finding a mentor that will guide you along and say, look, you've got to separate the emotional aspect from the business aspect understand the realities of what's going on here. And if you can help somebody manage their expectations, they're much more apt to do well in their business versus, you know, sort of crashing and burning after realizing pretty early on that, um, you know, with rare exception, uh, most products are not going to come out of the gate and, and, and make somebody a millionaire overnight. I've got a very good friend who is one of the biggest VCs in the United States with truckloads of money in things like Skype and Tesla and all those things and uh, he says the first thing that puts him off is when an inventor or an entrepreneur walks into his office and says I have got the next billion dollar idea he says he's not oh, even yeah. going to talk to them you know yeah. they're, just, they're living in this fantasy world and, and they're never going to come down to earth yeah, it's tough to, and, and that's the managing expectation part. It, I do get concerned when people, I mean, look, people say it tongue in cheek sometimes. They say, look, Jim, I've got the next, you know, gazillion dollar idea. And look, it, you know, they, 
they know most of them in their heart that, you know, they're, they're being enthusiastic and, and you want that. But there are people who will say, you know, they'll send me a business plan and it will have financials that reflect <laughs> the billion dollar revenue. And I say, listen, I, I would love more than anything to be a part of or even to watch somebody achieve that. I mean, it, you know, it can happen. And, and very occasionally yep. there are people who get very wealthy off of ideas. But if, if you're basing your whole business and premise and you're investing in it, thinking that there's no other outcome for you, you know, that's a, that's a risky thing. And I, and I tell people, I'm like, listen, I'm not comfortable with this. If you really truly think that it's just going to project this way and, and there's going to be no speed bumps or hiccups or, or even, you know, total colossal caverns along the way. Um, you know, I tend to shy away because I understand that I'm not going to change their mindset, but for the most part, I think people, um, can be managed and, and, you know, especially if you're in an industry and you explain to them, look, I've been doing this for decades. I, here's what's likely to happen. And yeah. you, you know, you take something from that. Yeah. I, this is a great lesson for entrepreneurs. I had a guy bring a product to me, um, and it was a great product. And I took it to a couple of um, potential buyers, big organizations. We spent a week talking to them. And at the end of the week, um, there was a board meeting and they turned around and they offered my guy $50 million for the idea right then, right there. He said, no, it wasn't enough. He is now working in a computer repair store they just yeah. said that's that's our top offer you're saying no you're out so a great idea that could have made him 50 million bucks got him nothing yeah because that's a shame yeah and that's, he's just living in the fantasy right. world that that happens i know i mean you know even if it was five million i mean the average person can can live a very nice life off of that money and, you know, and their families. And yeah, people get a little bit, you know, greedy, I guess. And, and they yeah. want, they think that it's worth more. Right. They, they're just not up to, up to speed on, on the realities of it. But yeah, it's a shame. So what are the biggest mistakes entrepreneurs make? I, I think one of the big ones is, you know, and I, entrepreneurs are like this. So everybody listening is definitely going to kind of understand what I'm about to say. But I think the big mistake is trying to think you can do everything on your own. Yeah, and I've learned that. Absolutely. Look, I'm, I'm, I, I know what I'm good at. I do. But I know what I'm not good at. And I think it's hard for people to, to really finally sit down and look themselves in the mirror and say, look, I'm not a finance guy or, or I'm not a sales guy or, you know, I'm not, uh, you know, whatever. And, you know, most entrepreneurs – and they're sometimes forced to. I mean, a lot of times you, you come out sure. of the gate and you got to be the old, you know, chief cook and bottle washer. You know, you got to do everything yourself and, you know, and you dabble and, and you do enough to, to be dangerous and get things started. But really at the end of the day, as you start really getting into serious business, uh, I mean, look, if I need legal advice, I go to a lawyer. You know, yep. if I'm sick, I go to a doctor. If I need tax advice, I go to an accountant. I, I know a little bit about all those things. But I don't keep up with them. There's not enough time. I, I, I have to be proficient and good and, and continue to, to improve upon what I'm really good at and, and acknowledge and say, I hate to write that check, but I know if I hire this person to help me, it's going to be much better for me in the long run versus making all the mistakes on your own 
And then after all the money's gone, you look at yourself or you look at people to, to help you and, and it's too late or you're out of money or too much time has passed. And that's a huge issue uh, for entrepreneurs. And again, we're, we're all afflicted with it. I think at some point or another, you know, especially if you're younger and you're starting out, you think you can do anything. And there are people who will say, Oh, you got to No, don't, don't listen to people that say hire other people. Just go for it. You learn everything you can on your own. And I don't know. I think there's all way too many uh, expensive lessons, but people taking that approach. And it doesn't mean you have to spend a fortune on everybody else and that you shouldn't try certain things, but there are just some things that you should focus on. And there are some things you should delegate and collectively with the right people, you grow a business. Yeah. I found that one of the areas that um, entrepreneurs usually neglect is the legal side. You know, they might have a partner while they're developing the product but at some point down the line, things are going to go wrong and there's going to be disputes. And if you don't have all of your um, of all of the uh, partnerships and the deals that you've done, if you don't have them properly vetted and, and structured by a lawyer, you can get yourself into dreadful trouble. And a lawyer doesn't have to cost you that much money. Go and knock on the door of your local lawyer and say, look, I'm a startup. I don't have much money. I'll give you what I can, but would you help me through and I'll, I'll stay with you? They'll generally help you. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I agree. Yeah, you've you got to reach out. you got to, you know, it's okay to ask for help that way and yeah. to get the best price. And they understand. Good, good people, good service providers understand the startup world. And I think it's good to approach service providers that understand our world that run their own businesses because they'll, they'll be more, um, you know, agreeable to, to discounting or, or giving you their best for a little bit less to, cause they, they've been where you are. Yeah. And, and you know, the worst thing that can happen is they say, no, that's the worst right. thing that can happen. So you just go and knock on the next door. Um, right. you mentioned before the, the issue of, of time. I mean, I know um, I'm run ragged with time, and I know you are too. Now, if you're, and we're established. We've been around a long time. So if you're a young entrepreneur, how do, you, how do you allocate your time? How do you stop yourself working 20 hours a day and living on chips and Coke? Yeah, it's, uh, you know, try to tell that to somebody who's starting out who's 20, who, yeah. who, who thinks the world is theirs. You know, I, I've learned over time that I've learned how to become more efficient with each hour. And I've certainly embraced technology. And, you know, look, when I started back in the product business, I mean, Internet really didn't exist. And, you know, you didn't have, you know, when you left the office, you couldn't do any work at home because you had no way to interact with the computer yeah. at home. So in a way, I hate to say it, it was, it was kind of good because it allowed you to disconnect <laughs> and you just had to kind of wait for the next morning till you got to the office and, you know, and, and even though you wanted to, to advance things, it kind of forced you to do it. But at the same time, I, I think what, what goes on in terms of timing is, I think you've got to, you know, look, and there are a lot of people who don't agree with this. I, you know, I, I, I'm on social media a lot, like Facebook and, and sure. Twitter and all these, uh, all these things. And you always see people posting about, oh, like, go out and grind. You know, if you're not, you know, if you're not working at two in the morning, you're not successful or, you know, if you're, if you're out on a Friday night with your friends, then, you know, you're not a real entrepreneur. And I always shake my head at that stuff. I, I think that 
you know, a lot of those people are, are, are people that are not successful. They, they just like to yell and scream about, you know, because they're, they're working on a Friday night means they're more successful. I think to me, it's what you do with the time you have. I mean, I'm very comfortable working many days, you know, just a six, seven, eight hour day, because I know that I don't have to get up. I don't drive to an office. I work from home. I don't spend, you know, that two to two and a half hours commuting. I don't go out and take hour and a half long lunches. I don't sit in meetings that don't pertain to me or help me grow or help me, you know, contribute. I, I talk to some of my corporate friends. They laugh. They're like, we probably work maybe, you know, four or five good hours a day. Yeah. That's all they do because yeah. it's, you know, all the nonsense. So I'm like, well, look, by, by, you know, lunchtime, I've already done what you, what you've done. And, and yet that gives me the freedom to, to, to be with my family or, you know, just do whatever I like. Now that would, you know, that being said, you know, I, I feel like I'm always on the clock, but I love that. I don't have to punch a clock. So yeah. if I, one day I can get up and start working at seven thirty in the morning and I'm at it and I'm emailing and I'm calling and I'm busy. And maybe the next day I, I don't start till eight thirty. you know, because I just don't feel like getting going yet. And yet the next day, maybe I stop at five or six o'clock or four o'clock. And, but then, you know, I go back at seven at night and work for another hour or two or three. And, you know, it's, it's having the freedom to be able to manage your time, but be disciplined enough to say, here's what I have to do today, or this is what I have to do this week. As long as I do that and I kind of meet my own goals for what I wanted to do, then I'm happy. And then everything else I want to do on top of that is gravy. But, you know, I think that people shouldn't put a set amount of time or have a, a set schedule to the minute all the time. I think you should allow yourself to be good when you're good, when you're not Shop, you know, take a, take a few minutes, stop what you're doing. And then over time, you'll develop your own clock uh, and that, that allows you to, to be successful. Yeah, I think one of, the, one of the great things is I learned from a study at Harvard that don't look at your emails within an hour of going to bed and don't look at your emails until an hour after you get up in the morning. Um, and... Just allow yourself that time to think. I get up in the morning, first thing I do, um, I quickly catch the news and then I jump into the spa and I sit in the spa for half an hour and think about what I have to do today, sort of put it in some sort of order. I make myself a list. I never get through the list, I might add, but <laughs> I make a list. And then the last thing I do at night is jump back in the spa and think again without all the distractions and it and that's another reason why I think entrepreneurs should get out. They should mix with people. They should have a family life because it gives you a different perspective. You know, sitting, yeah. in, sitting in what's You're like right. a phone box working on the same thing all day, you forget what the real worlds are like about. Yeah, no, you're right. I, I agree. And I think, like you said, you, you do need time to think and reflect. And people think that's not work time. But, right, if you sit in the spa and you're thinking about what you've done or what you want to do, uh, being a little disconnected from your phone or, or your computer for an hour or two. That's part of a work day. That's a part of a good entrepreneur's work day anyway. Like I said, you're not just grinding away at a laptop, but you're you're plotting and planning and, and, and thinking about what, what you could do next. And that could be by far the most productive part of your day. You know, one, yeah, one good idea during that period can change. Because when you get into something and you're working on it, you're really focused on it, you tend to not think of options where when you're sitting there and, and doing nothing but thinking, you think, geez, why didn't I do that? That's another right way I could go about it. And usually it's good. Yeah. Now, you're obviously very talented at this because you do a whole bunch of, you know, I tend to work on 
three projects and that's it. What you seem to work on a whole bunch of projects, a whole bunch of businesses, you've got a whole heap of things going. How do you successfully manage all those things without getting them all screwed up together? Well, I, I, I'm not going to say it. I don't certainly have the opportunity to screw some things up. I think, uh, like you said, I, I try to limit myself. And here's the entrepreneur in me, and a lot of people, will re- this will resonate with them. You know, I, every time I turn around, I see an opportunity in, in something else, you know, yeah. that's related or not related to my business. And, you know, if I see an opportunity within my world, I want to see if I can make a business out of it. And I think what I do is I, uh, you know, I, I focus like you on, on a few core things, um, you know, in my world, but I definitely am constantly testing things. And sometimes I may just try a little hand in a little side business within the business. And I, you know, I'll, I'll play with it. I'll do a little research. I'll throw some stuff out there to clients. Hey, you know, I'm working on this. Is this a service you'd be interested in? And I kind of let people tell me, you know, if it's going to be something that's useful or not. And I found that some of the best things I've done have, have come from doing that. But, I, you know, I don't, I don't think, I think it's controlled chaos, Bob. I don't think I have a, <laughs> yeah. you know, a, I don't think, I don't think I have a good reign on exactly how to manage every second. But what I am able to do is, you know, I know like there were certain days where I've got to get certain things done for my core business and I, I just can't spend the time on, on other things. But, you know, like you said, a lot of times when you're sitting around, if you're, you're relaxing or, you know, you're, you're, you're spending that moment or minutes, hour or whatever, thinking about, hey, you know what, I did my work today and I got done what I wanted to and needed to. But, you know, hey, I had a thought for something. And then, you know, I get a piece of paper and a pen and I kind of, uh, you know, draw things out or write them out and, and kind of, you know, like I said, stop that process. So that's why that downtime is really good. But, you know, I, I think I'm just able to, to focus on the, the things that I need to get done and I spend my other time thinking about the things that I'd like to do. And then I kind of mix them all into the day and the week. And, and over time, I, 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 you know, I feel like it's important to, to keep fresh and try new things within the business. And because technology changes, I'm always looking at yeah. how to use technology to, to further my business. So yeah, it's, you know, it's a mix. There's no specific answer that, that works for everybody, but I think you just have to be aware of, your time and, and, and understand that you need to mix it up. Having said that, I got out of the um, spa this morning and I walked into my wife and I said to her, do you ever feel that, you know, you're just not keeping up? You're just not doing all the stuff that, you you know, your brain tells you you should be doing? And she said, absolutely. Every day I think I'm just not doing enough. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? Yeah, well... I, I don't know. I, you know, again, this is a mindset. I'm look. I'm I'm generally happy with what I do and what I accomplish. I mean, I think it, here, yeah, let's go back to the managing expectations thing, right? The thing we yeah. talked about right yeah. at the very beginning. I think when people are realistic about what they can accomplish, they look. You know, somebody's really successful or wants to be successful will always feel, I guess, a little bit disappointed that they didn't get this particular result. But in reality, for the average person, it's an amazing result. So I, I think I kind of just try to, you know, I really try to come down to earth. I don't say, all right, I want to start a new business and, you know, within six months, it's going to be doing you know, a million dollars. I say, okay, you know, I've been in business long enough. I'm going to start this business. And in six months, it, maybe it's only going to do $20,000. Right. And, you know, maybe I'm going to break even. 
But I can say that, honestly. I can say and look at something and say, this is going to take longer than I think. It's kind of like the contractor that comes to your house and says, oh, I'm going to redo your kitchen. It's going to take two weeks and it takes two months, right? (laughs) You know, things go wrong or things change or you get sidetracked or your, your primary business gets busier than you think or, you know, I just think you have to, you just have to kind of assess and be honest with yourself and say, what can I handle? How do I think I can get it done? Uh, I know that some days are going to be better than others and, and I can't be too hard on myself. I have to just push and push, but you know, give yourself a break and know that you're not going to build all these businesses and, and, and be a billionaire uh, in a day. There's only a handful of billionaires out there. So there's nothing wrong with being a thousandaire, as I say, or a millionaire. <laughs> as long as you're happy, be happy with what you're doing, right? Just yeah. enjoy it. The money, the money comes if you do it and you, and you focus in on it. And then, you know, you, you start looking to do other things that make you happy and, and turn those into businesses if you can. Yeah. I think the other thing that's important is only to do the things that you have to do. Um, you know, if you – it's amazing you get 50 emails in the morning and you think, God, I've got to try and address all those. And if you only get to three of them, somehow the other 47 just go away. <laughs> you know, there's, yeah. There's so You're much – Right. That's it. So much they stuff wash away, that we yeah. do that's not – important to making a buck now um another thing that i think you know be interested to get your take on i once had a um a guy that i was marketing director for and he was involved in a whole bunch of businesses and he used to say every day at five o'clock or five thirty, whatever time he knocked off write down all the things you did today that made us a buck and it's amazing right. how many days you sit there and you've been working your tail off all day and you sit there at 5.30 and you go, geez, I really didn't do anything today that made a buck. Yeah. You, you tend to do a, a lot of work that doesn't, hard reality. Yeah. It doesn't produce any money. Yep. You've got to look at yourself, like you said, and that's, that's, you know, that could be tough on people to really, like you said, face that question. Did I – did I make money today or did I set myself up to, you know, to make money? And, you know, like I said, it's, sometimes it's not always a fair thing. True. You know, like I said, I, do I make money every single day in that regard, like new fresh? No, but I mean, a lot of times what you're doing is you're working on projects and things that will provide a lot of fruit down the road. And, you know, companies get that. The good companies understand they invest in, in talent and, and they know that, you know, they're, they're building something for the long term. And that's, that's good. And I think good management recognizes that and not and tries not to hammer out you know you need to do this every five minutes and if you don't do it you're not worth anything i think that's um you, know, you see that in corporate america well, i'm you know i'm glad i'm not in that world because i, oh. I know that i'm just i'm disciplined enough to do it myself and understand what needs to be done and, and i just do it it'd drive you nuts wouldn't it working in corporate america working in corporate anyway um most entrepreneurs their one weekly must-watch television show is probably Shark Tank. Um, so what was it like to work with the sharks from Shark Tank? I know you work very closely with Kevin Harrington in particular. So what was it like? Yeah, I mean, you know, it was certainly interesting. I mean, I think the, the, the biggest thing about it was, you know, when I started working with Kevin, Shark Tank was just starting. In fact, I don't think it had aired yet. And, you know, I was working with Kevin on developing his, um, his TV goods business uh, down there in Florida. And it was really a kind of a haven for, for inventors to come and, and learn the process of inventing and, and to get help. And of course, Kevin's in the infomercial world. So he was able to provide sure. them with uh, de- developing and, and airing infomercials. 
but you know, Kevin said, to, I remember he said to me, he goes, Jimmy, I'm, I'm on this new show. It's called Shark Tank. And I don't know how it's going to do. And, you know, of course now, you know, it's a, it's a huge phenomenon, a big hit, Yeah. but to, to see how this show works, to see how, you know, contestants get chosen to see, you know, after they get off the show, you know, what happens to the deals that are made? You know, do they really consummate? Do the people really get the funding? And then, of course, there are people like me that were taking those products and placing them at retail. So, you know, you, you, the sharks, you learn that the sharks, they're definitely money people. There's no question. And a lot of them can be mentors and get involved and get their hands dirty a little. But there's a lot of other people that are involved on the back end that, that make that product go, so to speak. Uh, you know, the sharks, they have their own business. They can't spend, sure. you know, all day long with, with any one particular person. And so I, I learned that. But it was interesting to see, you know, and, and meet the people that were on the show. And, and they, you know, these are, they're entrepreneurs. They're, they've got ideas. They've developed them. They, they were looking for help, whether it was yep. for money or talent. And it, it was great to be kind of, you know, behind the scenes and, you know, beneath the ropes there to, to see, and meet the people that are on it and, and how these deals get done. And I can only say this, that reality TV isn't always as real as you think it is. No, I was and, just about to know, say exactly uh, that. <laughs> yeah, it's a little it's a little different. A lot of those deals that happen on TV don't get done. Yes. You know, the lawyers get a hold of things and, you know, they, they you know it, it's TV. It's got to look good. It's got to be entertaining. But off, off camera, you know, things change often. So I always tell people, look, get on Shark Tank first for your 15 minutes of fame, if, if anything, even if you don't get a deal, you're going to, your business should increase just by the exposure you get yeah. and milk it as much as you can, because it, it is national, uh, you know, syndicated TV, but you know, and, and then if you can get a deal, you get a deal, but you know, sometimes be careful what you wish for, because the deals you do, sure. you know, may not be comfortable. You may be giving up a lot. Um, so that's, but that's for everybody to judge on their own, you know? Yeah. I, I, I often watch Shark Tech and think, Gee, I wish the real world was like this, you know. And and yeah. I know I know I know at the other end I know how many deals don't get done and I know how many deals are done for a much worse deal than what you actually see on television. And uh, you know, if only the real world was sort of an honest version of that, it'd be terrific. <laughs> yeah, well, absolutely. I agree hundred percent. So That's funny. You've got multiple income streams. You've got You've got money pouring in from everywhere to keep these Ferraris, Lamborghinis, and Bentley convertibles yeah. on the road. Why, <laughs> why are multiple in income streams so important for long-term success? You know, I think it's the old saying, you know, don't put your eggs, all your eggs in one basket. Um, you know, years ago, I, I got my start by being in one business, in the, in the sport optics industry, the, the binocular and, and telescope business. And, and because of that, um, you know, it, it allowed me to further branch out uh, and go on my own. And, and, you know, in that regard to, to helping other people instead of running my own specific product company. Um, I think that, you know, because you can't count on one thing, or if you have a business that the, the world changes, you know, I use an example of a VCR, right? Like if I'm in the, if I was in the VCR business and I was still in the VCR business, I, I wouldn't be in business, right? Because yeah, sure. we've gone from, from, so, you know, things evolve and today they change so quick because of technology. I mean, look, I mean, like I get an iPhone, like it seems like every six months because they, they create software and it doesn't even work on the old model. <laughs> That's the speed of the world. And our kids are growing up to, to demand instant gratification for everything. And, but, you know, things are, are, you know, there's fads 
and, and, you know, fashion and, and things just change so quickly and what people have no attention span. So what they're excited about today, a month from now, you know, it's like this whole Pokemon go thing that's going on and kids are running around and adults running around, you know, chasing Pokemons around. And yet, but you know, in, in another few weeks, it's going to be over and then it's going to be something else and then something else. And so I, you know, I use those as examples as a cue for me to say, Jim, you should be in three things or five things or seven things, even if I'm in, you know, investing in something or partnering with somebody on something and I don't spend much time in it. I know that, you know, not all of them are going to succeed. So I, I it's a numbers game. I go, if I'm in five businesses a year, two or three are going to do well. One or two probably won't but I'm going to do better than, than not because I'm, I'm involved. But if I hang my hat on one thing and it bombs, I'm dead in the water. Of course, if it does well, I, I, I'm doing great. But I think that a good lesson for entrepreneurs is that, but here's the thing that, that goes wrong. A lot of entrepreneurs try to do 20 things at the same time. My whole thing is when you're starting out, pick one thing, get it going first, get it established, get it comfortable where you can delegate or it can kind of run a little bit more on its own and only then start picking at something else and then something else. I think that's the curse of the entrepreneur. They try to do everything at once. They focus on nothing and then everything fails instead of getting established and, and then creating other revenue streams for them. Even if it's not what they traditionally do, sometimes just getting involved in another type of business that spins off a few dollars can help you. Jim, Thank you very much for speaking with me on the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Unfortunately, we're out of time. Now, if you've got a product or even an idea scribbled on a napkin and you want to develop the product, you want to one, create a marketing and a, a, a business strategy, you want to get it out into the marketplace, you want to negotiate licensing deals or anything to do with being successful as an entrepreneur, go to Jim DeBetter. That's J-I-M-D-E-B-E-T-T-A dot com. And uh, get in touch with him. He's a great guy. And as I said earlier, I'm working with him on a project. And, uh, you know, I've got a choice of pretty much anybody. And uh, Jim's the guy. So I'll be back with more of the Bob Pritchard Radio Show on Voice America Business Network after this short break. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. Do you want your business to achieve results you never thought possible? Bob Pritchard is recognized as the business leader's advisor and has 30 years of experience as a straight-talking troubleshooter for Fortune 500 companies and SMEs across the world. Whether you need a checkup across all departments of your business or simply want to improve marketing, advertising, performance measurement, or some other area, Bob Pritchard will work his magic so you can blow away your competition. Bob Pritchard is also one of the most in-demand speakers in the world. Over 1,500 clients on five continents and countless standing ovations are a testament to how he changes the fortunes of business. Pick up Bob's new book, Kick-Ass Business and Marketing Secrets, at your nearest bookstore or visit Bob's website at www.bobpritchard.com. Remember, if you want to be successful, call Bob Pritchard now. 
Worldwide phone numbers and more information can be found at BobPritchard.com. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. America is heading over a fiscal cliff. Home prices are still receding and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Now you can take your favorite Voice America radio program with you anywhere. Sign up for our mobile app if you have an iPhone, Android, or Amazon Kindle. The Voice America interactive radio player powered by Aircast gives you the freedom to listen to any of our programs anywhere, live, and on demand. No registration is required. Listen to your favorite Voice America hosts and discover new ones. Download the Voice America mobile app for your iPhone, Android, or Amazon Kindle powered by Aircast. Visit the Apple App Store, Amazon, or Google Play. You are listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. To connect with Bob, please send an email to bob at bobpritchard.com. That's bob at bobpritchard.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the 431st Bob Pritchard Straight Talking, absolutely no bullshit business radio show, coming at you on Voice America Business Network, and we're broadcasting from our temporary studio on Sydney Harbour in Sydney, Australia. Now, experts view the moon, you know, we go out at night and we look at the moon, but experts look at it and see natural resources, and uh, the moon is not that far away, and it's Experts think, hmm, we could mine that. And most plans focus on mining three main materials. Water, which of course can be separated into hydrogen and oxygen and converted to rocket fuel. Helium-3, which can power nuclear fusion reactors and rare earth minerals. And they can be used in manufacturing and after and are in real demand. Now, despite these ambitions, scientists are sceptical about the feasibility of moon mining. Scientists and entrepreneurs disagree on how prevalent mineable resources are, how useful they could be, and how expensive it's going to be to mine them. There could be enough helium-3 to power the Earth for 10,000 years. Then again, <laughs> there may be none. In addition, no one's yet developed a cost-effective way to transport any of these materials back to Earth once they dig them up. Now, a recent report by industry writers, NASA, lunar scientists and space lawyers focused on extracting water from the moon's permanently shadowed regions for use as rocket fuel. The report explains that combined with reusable upper stages and landers, A space-based supply of propellant is the key that could enable cost-effective access to much of the inner solar system. Now, past science missions to the moon have provided direct evidence that sunshy regions near the lunar poles are repositories of water ice, and once validated, this resource could be split into hydrogen and oxygen via electrolysis. The oxygen could then be used for life support, and hydrogen and oxygen can be combusted for rocket propulsion. The um, 
the study identified a near-term annual demand of 450 metric tonnes of lunar-derived propellant, which equates to 2,500 metric tonnes of processed lunar water, and that would generate $2.4 billion worth of revenue. But the initial investment, the report suggests, it's not a lot. It's about $4 billion, which is about the cost of a luxury hotel in Vegas. So a government-sponsored private sector resource robot would be a vast undertaking, but it could characterise and map ice and other substances in almost permanently shadowed areas of the moon. So there are many challenges ahead for moon mining companies, as well as those looking to move onto Mars, most technological, but there's also some legal problems, several possible issues, one of which is um, if you dig up stuff, who owns it? And uh, if you hold those claims, you know, who can somebody else take them? So it's a very complex, expensive project without a known outcome, but it will be intriguing to watch what happens. And of course, they can spend as much money as they want exploring, sending up rockets, doing all that stuff, because even if they miss, even if they don't dig up anything, all they do is go back out to the VCs and raise another round of funding. It's easy. You just keep spending money that you don't have. Remember, if you're not living on the edge, you're taking up too much space. It's easier and much more rewarding to do the impossible than it is to do the ordinary. As I've said before, anybody can be ordinary. If you walk down the street, you see millions of ordinary people. You don't want to be like them. Ordinary people are boring, and you don't want to be boring. You want to be exciting and interesting. You want to, have, you want to be someone that everybody wants to know. So you've got to push the envelope. Do the things that other people won't do. In the meanwhile, have a great week. Continue to be successful. The alternative to success is failure, and failure really sucks. This is Bob Pritchard, broadcasting from Sydney, Australia, and I'm looking forward to being back home in Los Angeles, California next week. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Please join us again next Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Until then, enjoy another week of success in your business and your life.